Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Laura Fredrickson. Laura Fredrickson is a financial wellness expert and empowerment specialist, international speaker and author, founder of the Prosperity Institute. Laura's global mission is to empower people in their lives, specifically in their relationship with money, so they can create lives of true wealth and experience of love, joy, passion, purpose, and freedom. She is devoted to people remembering their self-worth beyond their net worth and creating lives of personal fulfillment and emotional well-being. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm honored to be here with everybody. Yes, and you're in the beautiful place of Bali, and I can see your garden behind you. It's just gorgeous. Thank you. Yes, I'm blessed and so grateful to be here. Yes, and so people can get to know you and like how you got to Bali. I mean, we all want to go to Bali. So (laughs) why don't you tell us about, you know, about you, about your life and how you got to be doing what you're doing now? Oh, thank you. Yes, you know, uh, I think as is the case for all of us, uh, we all have trials and tribulations that ultimately become catalysts for our service in the world, if we so choose. And that catalyst for me was the dual suicide of both of my parents uh, due to financial stress when I was 29 years old. And so I'm sure there are many people that are listening to the podcast now that have been intimately touched uh, by a loved one who has committed suicide. Um, So I want to speak very compassionately about the subject. Um, It is uh, rampant right now uh, due to 2020. And so for me, um, of course, just so devastated, uh, so much trauma that was involved in that experience. I, of course, got support around that, moved through that, all the emotions that accompany with, uh, accompany that. uh, And ultimately now in retrospect and you know we can't see the forest amidst the trees so i'm saying this with empathy and understanding for anybody who has recently experienced a loved one who took their own lives um but i i i will say that as time goes on if we're open to it we're able to see the purpose to the pain we're able to see Um, I know it may sound bold to say this, but a gift that is inherent within that loss. And for me, um, you know, I, after my parents died, I ended up inheriting their estate and I came into a lot of money very suddenly. And I went down a very similar path that my father had gone down, uh, which was trading in the stock market. And I was very invested in mindless, heartless companies, all in pursuit of making a buck. Uh, I was on the path of being the richest woman in the cemetery. I was quite successful with massive air quotes, uh, amassed quite a fortune for myself, and ultimately ended up losing everything in the tech collapse in 2000. Uh, All the money I'd made in their uh, estates, all of the money that I had made in the market and I spiraled towards suicide. I was plotting my suicide for about three months after um, I lost all of the money as we were facing the tech collapse. My home was in foreclosure. 
I found myself in an abusive relationship just due to all of the stress and decided that I just couldn't go on. Um, I just was literally penniless, um, felt so pointless, felt so much shame around uh, losing what I considered to be the last connection to my parents, which was their, you know, the estate, the finances involved in all of that and made a very pivotal, powerful choice, which, you know, at the time seemed so minuscule, but looking back was so monumental. And that was reaching out to my friend and telling her that I just couldn't go on, that I had been plotting my suicide. And it was just this incredible exchange, really not too many words shared. I think I felt so much relief in my vulnerability and in admitting my internal turmoil and what was going on for me. And she looked beyond the words. She, I felt seen, that's the best way I can describe it. I felt seen in a way that I never allowed myself to feel seen, had never been witnessed um, in that degree of vulnerability. And there was just an opening and it was, you know, granted it was probably pinprick size. It was so tiny, um, but you know, it's like we can have the darkest, darkest night of the soul and just one candle, one candlelight conversation can illuminate that darkness in a very profound way. And so for me, that was that candlelight conversation. And I ended up walking from where we were standing in the kitchen went and sat on my couch and in front of me was a book I had never seen before. I do believe it was divinely placed in my life. Uh, and it was on Chinese numerology, which I had never even heard about Chinese numerology, but I was compelled to open up this tiny little book and I discovered there is a science in numbers. Uh, and within that there's nine distinct life paths, each with their own theme. Mine is a nine and the theme of my life journey is let go and let God. In the first paragraph, it's summarized in detail <laughs> every single thing that had happened to me. It said, you may lose loved ones. You might lose money in the stock market. You might be facing a natural disaster, which as a PS, I had some land that was also dealing with a forest fire. Every single detail of what had happened to me as it thunders here in our purifying rain in Bali, um, something just shifted. I, it was a full body sense that there was a divine governance, there was an orchestration, there was an infinite intelligence that was somehow orchestrating all of the events that had happened. And in that moment, I realized there was a purpose to the pain. I didn't know what it was at the time and that I was more than just a human being, that there was a soul contract I had signed, not forged. And that there was something divinely at play. And in the divine drama, my parents had played their characters perfectly. There was a gift in my parents' suicide. That's one of the chapters in my book, the gift of my parents' suicide. And I ended up really surrendering and letting go. And I was so upstream 
in my current of well-being, I was so in defiance to the natural order of my life, felt so exhausted in my state of efforting and striving and pursuing, you know, the very elusive financial freedom for a sense of security. And I just started to spend time in nature. I feel like it's one of the greatest antidotes. Uh, I was living in Colorado at the time, so I would climb mountains. I had my yellow lab. We would swim in rivers and in lakes. And I just started to witness the profound pace of grace. I started to witness the infinite intelligence that's coursing through all of life, including my being and my vessel and started to receive downloads and transmissions of esoteric and uh, esoteric wisdom and ancient wisdom uh, and started to apply that in my life little by little things started to open up I started to receive so many what I call sponsors and ambassadors of well-being one thing led to another, the path got lit up just like a divine runway on a tarmac. And the thing I forgot to mention in the book, it's it captured everything that had occurred in the first paragraph. And then it said, this is key. <laughs> it wasn't like, you're gonna lose all these things. It said, if you can learn to surrender and let go, you will have the most incredible life filled of love and purpose and adventure and service beyond your wildest imagination. And so here I am 22 years later, living the prophecy of that book. Um, and that just happened to have brought me to Bali here again, continuing the path of surrender. Um, you know, the universe provides if we allow her to do so, she is infinitely intelligent. <laughs> and so I kind of got out of my own way and ultimately realized that I did need to die. Um, but what I need to leave my body out of it. And it had more to do with the death of a misguided approach to life and an operating system that just fundamentally uh, was not serving my emotional well-being. And I'll just close with this share by saying that one of the downloads I received, which was really a question, which was the main catalyst for the pivot, was, is there anything more valuable to me than how I feel? And I had not been governing my life from that place. I was caught up in the if then, when then epidemic, right? So if I make this much money, then I'll be free and I'll be secure. And when I lose 10 pounds, then I'll love myself fully, you know? And if I could just do this one more thing that would check the box of accomplishment and accolades, then my dad will be proud of me. And then I can make peace with all of that, you know? And it's just that perpetual addiction of an outside in orientation. So, so that's the, sh that's, my pivot. Wow. So when you started this journey, you know, it started with that book and, you know, <clears throat> you were obviously open from a spiritual standpoint because you were getting information from outside, but was that same friend that you talked to, or was there somebody helping you along the way 
to kind of pull yourself out of that situation where you were feeling so sad and bad that you wanted to leave? No, there wasn't. It was really my communion and connection to spirit, which I found in nature. Yeah. It, and, and that may not be the case for everyone, but for me, it was very self-derived with a capital S. So um, I, I, I tend to carry the codes of being highly intuitive and having a very strong connection to the ancestors and source and angels and realms. And I believe that we all have that. We all carry that ability. We're all channels. <laughs> it's just a matter of how much static is on our line and how much we're, you know, subjecting ourselves to external distractions and influences. But when we're able to really silence ourselves, the chatter and turn within, um, which there's many ways to do that. It's not necessarily just conventional meditation. Um, I will say, as I mentioned in my initial share, that I did receive support after immediately after my parents committed suicide. Mm -hmm. I did a very specific five-week journey with someone where I went into the house. I allowed my rage. I burned the suicide note. I, I mean, I allowed myself to really feel and be held in that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is extremely important. And what I'm speaking to is what I call beyond therapy. So I have people come to me who have been in therapy for years and nothing is fundamentally changing. So I'm not an advocate for conventional therapy beyond a particular timeline, um, unless the therapist is really clear on the esoteric wisdom and natural laws that are really operating behind the scenes. Otherwise we can keep ourselves in a deep state of grief mm -hmm. and we're attracting based on how we feel. So it ends up creating a very painful cycle full of a lot of suffering. So, so let's um, say that someone's listening and they're thinking this very moment about suicide, like things have gotten bad. They're thinking about it. What would be your, their, your best advice to them right at this moment? What word would you say to them? Well, I wouldn't just say a word. I would say a few things. I would tell them, first of all, they're not alone. And when I say they're not alone, I mean that, well, first of all, so many people are considering this because of this massive identity crisis and because of their relationship to what's unfolding. So my first thing to say is you're not alone. There should be no shame at all in considering this because the consideration of it is actually implying that something is awakening on a cellular level within your being. And this awakening can be, if you so choose, and I embrace it and saying, if somebody chooses to kill themselves, there is a whole realization behind the veil. There is no shame. There's no judgment. Now, there's a lot of judgment and shame about it on this planet. But on the other side of the veil, there is not shame and there's not judgment. And I will also say it's not really an out. 
So the ultimate recycling program in the essential <laughs> journey of spiritual awareness, awakening, and what I would call the elite classroom of suffering is it's not ultimately an exit strategy. Um, you leave your body, but you'll just kind of recycle to kind of get it all over again. And as I mentioned, it's the, the feeling of wanting to do it can be a very powerful catalyst to surrender to something else. And the something else, when I say you're not alone, is there is a force and a support that is behind the scenes in the unseen realm that is so magnificent and is so powerful that in the moment we surrender to it, whether that be in a form of prayer, setting intention, announcing that I just can't take it anymore, help me, it can be in the most basic foundation of asking for support. There are miracles that will happen. And I came from a family of atheists. And I say this from a place of not advocating conventional religion, none of those things in particular. But the amount of support and love that is here for us during this time is so incredible. I mean, I could go off on a whole rant about the Fido belt and all the transmissions of love and light that are pouring into our planet right now. But those would be my initial offerings is that you're not alone. There's no shame in this. There's something that's wanting to die. But if you can surrender to something else and you don't need to know what it is or how it's gonna to come to fruition because that's exhausting. And I feel like causes so much of the suicidal tendencies and depression is people get so caught up in, how am I gonna go from nothingness to something? How am I gonna go from penniless and pointlessness into actually living a life of bounty and purpose? You don't need to know how, but if I can do it, <laughs> If I can allow it, anyone can allow it um, because I was at a point of absolute devastation, which may be hard to witness and see with what I'm showing you now, but may, may my manifestation and may my lights reflect back to all of you, what you carry within you and what's possible for you if you choose it. And it is a choice. It's the free will component. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, that, that was wonderful. So yeah. you talked about you connect with nature. So first of all, why why did you choose Bali? And um, how do you connect with nature? I did not choose Bali. Um, I chose uh, I chose a life. I set the intention that my life would be filled with reverence for the divine, that it would be uh, filled with beauty. It would be filled with diversity. It would be filled with the natural abundance that life affords us, which is, you know, wonderful foods that are healthy, that nourish my body. Um, but I didn't know what that was going to look like. 
I was just working very deliberately with my own contrast, my own experiences that were kind of there, but not all the way representing what I wanted to feel and experience. So I just set the intention and I got into the feeling tone and the vibration of what I wanted to allow and receive. And then I just followed the road posts, as I call lighting up the tarmac and lighting up the trail. And I honored those impulses and intuition and made choices along the way. And then I found myself in Bali. <laughs> oh, okay. So I never looked at a map and went, oh, gee, I should go to Bali. Uh -huh. It was never like that. I, I've learned that even though I'm a, I'm a grand dreamer, <laughs> uh, spirit and source and God and great mystery can dream a dream far grander than mine. So I kind of let her work her, her genius. Uh -huh. Beautiful, beautiful. And so when you're connecting with nature in Colorado, and then you're connecting with nature in Bali. Is there a difference? Is there a, you know, like from even from state to state in the United States or from country to country, there's a different vibe. So, yes, I mean, absolutely. You know, there's the old forests in the UK, you know, there's what you experience uh, in Big Sur, you know, the surging you know, activated ocean and surf and then the wind that comes with that. And then there's the vast expansiveness of the Mojave Desert. Uh, there's the incredible experience in Moab with the cliffs and canyons and the rivers and the snow-kissed LaSalle Mountains with every single color gradation in between when fall is in full effect. And then there's, you know, there's Bali, which I'll just kind of turn my camera so everyone can get a dose of Bali love. Um, I did my full, full moon fire ritual uh, last night. So you'll see remnants of that out here. Beautiful. So green and so lush. Green and lush, and you'll see the frangipani flowers have fallen. So every day I'm blessed with those, and if everyone can smell that. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful flower. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, as you, you know, wonderful question, it's, I feel that each location in the world reflects, you know, the diversity and mirrors back the diversity and the beauty of us. You know, I mean, there's every single person <laughs> on, uh, that's listening has their own Moab, their own Mojave, their own Bali, not only out in the world, but also so important to celebrate our own codes, you know, there's no one like you, there's no one like me on the planet, never has been and never will be. It's just, it's incredible. So that's true. So let's talk about money. <laughs> so one of the things you do is, you know, you help people with their thoughts about money and how to really think about it because you were so different when you started out from where you are at now. 
where mm. you're just trying to make a buck or you know see how much you could accumulate so what does money mean to you now and how should we think about money or currency <laughs> yeah so i mean i would say is the rain too loud can you hear me shall i close i can, you can hear, hear you me? Mm -hmm. okay uh, it's really coming down here. Yeah, it's our rainy season. So uh, so when I started out, I still had the umbilical cord, an energetic umbilical cord to my father. And so what I was raised in, ironically, was an environment that was all about financial freedom. And that's all my dad could think about was financial freedom. And although he amassed a material fortune, my father was never free. He was always a prisoner to what I call the mental shackles of material preoccupation. So always, or I could say the mental shackles of fear and scarcity. What if, and not enough, and, and this, you know, always that. So no matter how much he had, he was never free. So I carried that belief system along with me that my security and my freedom resided in my bank account. It resided out there in the form of money. And that is what has fundamentally shifted for me uh, is, you know, my whole journey and what I guide people through is that reorientation back to self for those that have lost their way. Um, because that is the ultimate zeitgeist of our time. And that is the fundamental identity crisis. And I believe wholeheartedly that when we feel the rug is being pulled out from underneath us, it is because we need to remember that we're the rug. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening is that's happening in jobs. People are losing their jobs, jobs they hated, jobs that were killing them jobs that were robbing them of time with their friends and family and self-care. Um, the financial systems are crumbling. Um, but here again, all of that's been based on a patriarchal, top-down, unsustainable way of relating to security and worth and personal value and freedom and happiness. So, of course, that needs to all dismantle so we can all consciously reconfigure not new systems the systems are the manifestation of the beliefs so even when i talk about cryptocurrencies and all the alternative currencies they're not a solution um because if the consciousness doesn't shift it won't matter people will continue to be in the same cycle but now they'll be in that uh but it'll just have to do with cryptocurrency so to answer your question, the way I work with people and the way I view money is, you know, money reveals us. There's a lot of people that believe in law of attraction. And of course, my thoughts create my reality, except for when it comes to money. You know, it's like money's the, the exception <laughs> to the natural law, you know? And so... For me, it's more about just gifting people the awareness. What is their fundamental relationship with money? Meaning, what are the core beliefs? 
And until those core beliefs get illuminated and shifted into life-affirming ones, nothing will fundamentally change. So remember, we're attracting based on how we feel. And that's in all sectors of our life. So if someone decides, well, I'm going to start investing in gold or I'm going to start investing in cryptocurrencies <clears throat> to try to relieve the stress of the impending economic collapse that will parallel that of the Great Depression, um, it's not a solution. If they're still coming from the undercurrent of fear and lack and scarcity and I'm not safe and I'm not secure, they'll continue to manifest more drama and more pain. So for me, I treat money as uh, simply a material manifestation of my predominant belief system about it. Or another way I talk about it is I am money. So money is simply a manifestation of my beliefs around my own worth and my relationship and definition to money. So it's amazing how many people are governed by their money fears. A lot of it's unconscious, but a lot of it is psychological inheritances from family and media and back and back and back it goes. Most people have never defined money in their own personal dictionary, you know? So that's the starting point. You know, awareness is key for people to just realize, okay, well, how do I define money? Because how we define money is informing our personal realities. So it's very important to get into the driver's seat of that and to step into awareness about that first and foremost. So how do you dig into that with someone? You know, some of these things, I think we're really even not conscious of them, you know, things passed down through our families or genetically or whatever, or, you know, we just, someone said something and we yeah. made a decision about what they said, even though we don't realize we made a decision about what they said and then we're acting on it. Yeah. Well, I have, I mean, I've created a methodology. It's what the priceless principles, prosperity principles and practices are. And so I guide people through a 30 day journey. I fast track their vibration. I take them through my alignment process. So I remind them of the natural laws that's actually operating behind the scenes because it'd be like trying to build a mansion or a house without a solid foundation. So I give people that solid foundation in the first two weeks. And then I share with them a very powerful perception shift process that allows them to work with their emotional body to identify the limiting beliefs and shift it into core truths and alignment. And then there's an additional other practice um, that complements that, which really supports them to have the sustainable shifts because that's what's really key. I mean, we can become aware of a limiting belief. We might even do our best to linguistically shift that. Mm -hmm. But without the additional practice that I complement that with, things won't shift. But people who are coming into the programming, I mean, the reason why I, I created you know, the principles and the practices 
is because they are seeing radical shifts in 30 days and then it's sustainable. So I sort of give them what they need to continue. And then I also have an offering, which I'll share more at the end, um, which is the money ceremony. And that is a very powerful blast because I work with people on their limiting beliefs and their scarcity mentality regarding many subjects. But of course, the money one is the most dense. And so there is a very powerful money ceremony I created. And I call it ceremony because ceremony is just uniting an intention with an action. And when we do that, it's very, very powerful. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a little tickle. So this money ceremony allows people to purge in a very bulk, powerful way, their core limiting fear-based beliefs around money and create a new vow, almost like a marriage ceremony to create a new relating dynamic with money. And so just that consciousness piece in and of itself is extremely powerful because we're bringing the awareness, we're bringing the intentionality, we're bringing the actual action, the ceremony and the ritual of the deep release of that. And it's extremely potent right now because of all of the support that is available for us behind the scenes. Um, there is so many unseen adversaries and champions that are really excited for all of us to be living in congruence with our true nature and our inner being and the wealth codes and the lives that we're really truly intended to be experiencing. So that's, that's the gift in these massive times of great challenge. And what wealth codes, are those just uh, universal laws? Well, the wealth codes, I mean, it is our birthright to experience abundance. If we question that, look at nature. If we question that, look inside our own skin suit. I mean, our body is an incredibly infinite, intelligent machine that handles our digestion and the beating of our heart and the breathing. So I always bring people back to base camp. It's like we're intended to thrive simply because we're alive. <laughs> However, because of the free will components, if we're not in congruency with that, from the beliefs that we think every single day, we will create disease, disease in our body and in our life. So the wealth codes are very much informed by our own mindset, our own beliefs. We need to work in harmony with this undercurrent of well-being um, that I believe is the signature to the magnetic paradise of life on earth. So let's talk about our health and our wellness and our nutrition. <laughs> so when we're loving ourselves and we're attracting this abundance how should you know how should we nourish ourselves well i mean a lot of times when people ask me about nutrition they're 
I like that you prefaced with the self-love because it's really the most important thing. And we're in what I call and teach manifestation 8.0 right now. The most important thing, because we're at such a time of quickening. I don't know if everybody is noticing that, but timelines are shifting. Time's an illusion anyway, but because so many people are awakening because of their suffering, there is an awakening of consciousness. And because we're all in this together, that awakening of consciousness is propelling the timelines of manifestation. So when it comes to nutrition, one of the things that has been very sort of misunderstood and misconstrued is so many people, especially women, have gotten so fixated on, of course, the food they're eating, how much yoga they're doing. Um, are they going to the gym? Are they working out? I mean, and all of that is secondary. The most important piece is the primary nutrition because the genesis of our entire reality and the seed of everything that gets propagated in our lives is the stories we tell ourselves. So the greatest form of self-care and nutrition and nourishment is to be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself and, and appreciate yourself, appreciate your unique qualities and really tend to that inner garden. Really, really offer compassion forgiveness, patience, kindness. It's so, so important because of course, everything emanates from that place. Everyone and everything is a reflection of our relationship to ourselves, including money. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So most of us have this inner critic that is can be quite mean to ourselves. And, um, you know, in fact, if we heard someone else saying that to another person, we'd say, hey, don't say that. That's terrible what you're saying. But yet we say it to ourselves. So when that inner critic comes up, do you have any processes or anything you do to switch back into being the loving, kind person to yourself? I mean, it's the same process I spoke to before. So it's the perception shift process that I teach people about because there's so many variables of the kind of dialogue. It could be about money and we're not worthy and we're fat and we're ugly and look at that wrinkle and nobody wants me and I'm this. I mean, there's so many facets of it. That's why I created the actual process to help people to identify it and shift it. But I will say that the most important thing is that people become aware that they're even doing it mm -hmm. because we're thinking 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And Harvard did a study. Guess how many of those thoughts are negative of the 60,000? Oh, I know 75% of them probably. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 48,000. And so what typically happens and I speak this because I used to be this person. I'm a work in progress. I have to be super vigilant that I'm doing the principles and practices also. But we can, sometimes we don't even realize that we're, on, we're in what I call like the internal machine gun alley, you know, just like beating ourselves up and mm -hmm. 
shadow boxing with our past or our future. And so the awareness is key. So a simple tip and trick is you could simply put a post-it up on your fridge or in your bathroom mirror. What are you thinking about right now? Because it just, and then another post-it, be kind to yourself, you know? For some, if they've been in their own internal machine gun alley or beating themselves up to go, you're amazing. They're not going to be able to buy into it. It's too much of a vibrational leap. Mm -hmm. But it, the awareness is key. So just realizing, okay, what are you thinking about right now, smiley face? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and bringing some humor into it because we're all human, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, there I go again, you know, just instead of, oh, there I go again, doing it again. Like, no, we don't want to doubly compound it. Oh, there you go again. Be kind to yourself. You know, I've also found myself, I'll share a tender moment. Um, I guess it was maybe 15 years ago. I was so, just feeling so sad. And I remember it was very just, I guess I had probably done my practice of just asking for help from my guides in the unseen realm, like, uh, and I found myself sitting down. None of it was logical. None of it was cognitive. And I just started doing this. I just started like holding myself. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing this. And then I found myself brushing my own hair, you know, not like I'm preppy, but just, uh, it just felt like such a divine maternal motherly thing to do. Mm -hmm. So when we catch ourselves in those moments, I mean, it is so powerful. Whatever conscious choice we can make to love ourselves, we can infuse that intention. So if you have a bathtub, I'm a huge bath ritualist, mm -hmm. you know, bringing love into that. If you're taking a shower, water is extremely purifying. It's very powerful. Um, shower yourself with blessings is what I call it. So you can stand in the shower and just, I love you. If you're really feeling afraid, it can just be like, I'm safe. I'm held. I'm loved. Everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. At my craziest most desperate moments I would have to look down and connect with my feet and really remember oh I'm okay like sometimes it takes just coming to the body in this moment I'm okay because remember fear is always connected to a projection mm -hmm. either in the past something that we're judging ourselves for or a future orientation that's imagining worst case scenario so if we can really come back to the moment and earth again every single person who's listening to this you may not have bali there and that's okay um but you have mother earth underneath you and just sitting down laying your belly on the earth putting your feet on the ground closing your eyes holding yourself connecting to the heartbeat of the earth. Sometimes I'll imagine my legs as tree trunks mm -hmm. and a root system coming out from the bottom of my feet and just 
drawing up the energy and oh my gosh it can be so revitalizing and grounding and in those moments take 17 seconds to activate a new vibration so you can always just come back to that before you know it you'll start to feel space momentum things will start to appear as they did for me I'm not lucky, I'm not special. I was deliberate and I was open and I surrendered and we all have the ability to do that, so yeah. Beautiful. So I am sure there are people that would love to get to know you more and also um, you know, take advantage of the services you have. So why don't you go over what services you do offer right now when you said you had a special offer for people and also yeah. where people can find you like your website? Yeah, so uh, you can find me at laurafredrickson.com. That's F-R-E-D-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. And I am offering in service to these incredible changes and identity crises that are going on. I've distilled all of my teachings from the last 20 years into the Prosperity Institute. So it's a membership offering and I'm gifting the first two weeks of the membership, totally free of charge. I teach and share so much of my wisdom, um, some of the practices that can help people go from penniless and pointless and despair and suffering to really harnessing whatever crises they're in, which by the way, the definition of crises is technically where challenges meets opportunity. So for anybody who wants to allow these changes that they've been going through to be a Kickstarter campaign for their most amazing life ever, you can learn all of that in the Prosperity Institute and you can find that uh, in that, and my website, laurafredrickson.com. All right. Well, thank you so much. One more thing that I will say I've just decided to offer because so many people are like, I want to be in Bali. I want to be in Bali. I'm doing a monthly offering called Bali Blessings, new moon and full moon. I will be doing rituals, ceremonies, going to temples, going to the oceans, um, infusing everyone with a love stream of inspiration, empowerment, and practices uh, to really uplift you wherever you are in the world. And so if anybody wants more information on that, they could email me at laura at laurafredrickson.com because I've not yet offered that yet, but that is coming soon. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> a computer near you. <laughs> yes, yes. Sounds wonderful, especially with all of us pretty grounded where we're at. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to share the beauty and the magic. And I did do something like this before uh, for a special uh, winter solstice offering. And everyone was so touched. And I didn't think or know it would translate virtually. And people were just like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. So I want to just share it with everyone. Yeah. All right. Well, I so appreciate you being on the podcast today and for sharing your knowledge and wisdom. And I was just feeling your intuition, even as you were talking. Very amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Kimberly, for promoting everyone to be powerful creators of an incredible life. And I honor you 
so much for the role that you're playing and for the space that you hold to facilitate these heart core conversations. So thank you for allowing me to be here to share and yeah, an honor. Yes, yes, I love to do it. So I have one last question before we get off. Um, what is Quest your best advice? What's your best yeah. advice on living an incredible, amazing life? Love yourself. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much. Okay. And we'll talk to you again soon, Laura. Okay.